0: Welcome back to another episode of the Antisocial Butterfly. So, here's the thing. I was going to post the part 2 with Mr. Timothy, but I received a phone call during the episode, during the recording and it wiped everything. So, I have to re I have to do this episode myself and then there will be the part 2 coming out next Sunday. So, this sunday what i wanted to talk about was the experience that i've had during my pregnancy you guys will know what happened from beginning to end every single emotion i felt every single tear that i've cried i want to be able to try to experience or try to explain this as much as i can so this is going off of from, from what i remember later on And these episodes, I will invite my husband on if I can get him to get on and talk about it. It's very hard for him to talk about it, but I want to see if I can get him on and talk about at least our marriage or something, you know? Because my memory is very bad, especially now. So that's what depression does to you. It fucks with your memory. Okay. So, anyways, (laughs) Um, I found out I was pregnant back in January, and um, the way that I found out I was pregnant was super weird because. My period is very irregular, so I couldn't count on my period not being there to find out if I was pregnant or not. I swear I i was not tripping, but I felt my shirt get wet. And I was just like, why is my shirt wet? Turns out, it was... Um, I was developing milk already. And so I was just like... But it was very, very little. It was very little. And so I thought I was tripping. And so I was just like, am I tripping? So... My mom told me to go get a test, and so I remember calling one of my ex friends and being like, "Girl, I think I'm pregnant." And she was like, "Girl, go get a test." And I was like, "All right, I'll be right back." And so I went to the, the 99 store and I got a test, and it immediately had two lines. And so I ran to my husband and I told him, and he was just like, "Yeah, I figured you were." And I was like, "What? What? Uh, okay. Well, we're pregnant." And he was just like, "Yeah." And he kind of knew based off of how things were going. Um, there was something that happened and I'm not I forgot what happened, but something was hinting towards me being pregnant. And so um we we were of course very, very, very excited and we decided to surprise my mother-in-law. So we went and we got some stuff, um, like a little present for her. We got her a mug and then that said like boss lady or something on it, and then we went to go take it to her. Uh, I think same day. Same day. We were so excited. I still have the video of her unwrapping um, the present and seeing seeing that I was pregnant and such. But yeah, time... Okay, so fast forward, um, everything was absolutely perfect my husband and my mother-in-law were so sensitive about me they didn't want me to do certain things they made sure i was good they made sure i didn't i never got too hot they made sure my like they were just on me and i really appreciate that like i had the easiest pregnancy ever i didn't work on my pregnancy i really just did what i wanted during my pregnancy i ate whatever i wanted on my pregnancy. Um whenever I wanted my husband went to go get for me, no matter what time it was. I remember I ate a whole bag of hot Cheetos and I threw up it. I threw it all up all over the carpet. And my husband got up at like two, three in the morning to clean my mess. And I was just like, what? It was such an amazing pregnancy, but I believe around 20 something weeks, um, we went to go get checked. It was the time where you had to go get the baby's anatomy checked and they found something off on the anatomy um, scans. And so they were like, okay. So they told us that something was wrong. They couldn't see certain parts. And so they were saying that it could mean that it's because that part is not there or they're just not getting the right angle on it. But it put a panic in my heart. um, And it, it just really put a panic on my heart. And I was just like, okay, we don't know what's going on. We don't know, like, what the fuck. Like, me and my husband were just like, what the fuck. And so, um, yeah, it was the, we had to keep going back to these doctor's appointments and the doctor's appointments doubled I had twice as much doctor's appointments as the normal pregnancy um would have but they wanted to make sure that the baby was okay you know like um so it turns out there was something wrong with her lungs and her heart and it's called cdh cdh stands for congenital Diaphragmatic hernia. Let me say that again. Congenital diaphragmatic hernia. It's a birth defect, um, which is in the diaphragm and the muscles that are supposed to separate um, the abdomen from the chest. It didn't develop completely, and so basically, long. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, because it didn't form completely. The contents in her stomach, were they were shifting up into her chest cavity, um, not allowing for her lungs to grow. So when my baby girl was born, she was born without any lungs. Therefore, she couldn't breathe. Um, and so fast forwarding towards the end of the pregnancy, we had to go to San Francisco because... The equipment that they had in San Francisco were specialized for these types of things, and Sacramento didn't have it so that being also said, I they were telling me I might have to give birth in San Francisco so that they can take care of her after she's born. This is before I realized that this was before we found out that she didn't have any lungs. Um, they were saying, well, there's a chance, but you would have to give birth in San Francisco because they have the equipment to save her. So we were like, okay. And the equipment that they're talking about is, um, is this breathing machine where basically the machine breathes for you until you can breathe on your own. Um, and so they were offering that for me. And so I went to San Francisco with my husband and we stayed there for about a week. And during that week, they told me that I will be in the hospital for about all day. I was there literally from the from the morning seven about seven a.m. till about four or five p.m. I was there all day. Thirty-six weeks pregnant. I was there all day getting scans. And I had to go through I had to go get a CT scan as well. So basically I had to lay on my back um for about an hour. And that is painful when you have a heavy baby sitting in your belly. I was never able to lay on my back because it was just painful for me. And I think at a certain amount of weeks, you they tell you that it's not recommended to lay on your back because it cuts off circulation. Not only did I have to lay on my back, but, oh, not only did I have to lay on my back But when they tried to put me in the circle, I literally couldn't fit. I barely fit. But they told me, you know, this is going to have to work. So I was sitting in a CT scan, staring at the ceiling, which was a a couple inches from my face. Um, I was so uncomfortable. I was so scared. Uh, My husband had to come in with me and hold my hand. My and my arms had to go up above my head because I couldn't fit. I couldn't. I couldn't have my arms down. It was too small. Um, only my belly fit. My barely. My belly barely even fit. My belly was touching the top of uh, the CT scan. And I just remember being so scared. And I just remember trying to stick it out for my baby girl because I wanted to do whatever I could to greaten her chance of survival. So, after a full day full of the doctors, you know, playing, messing with my belly, pushing on it, um, scanning my baby girl inside the CT scan, um, we got back to the hotel and I was tired. My body was hurting so bad. And I believe it was the next day we had to go back in and we sat down in this room full of chairs and there was about two doctors that came in and there was one doctor that was over over the the phone and we got to see her face like it was like facetime and we talked about the chances of my daughter's survival and they told me that she wasn't gonna make it and that they were not offering the machine to me so basically the machine that they were going to use to keep her alive um, and to to breathe for her while they try to fix whatever was going on, they weren't offering that to me. So basically they were saying there was no chance that she was going to survive. And that broke me because I'm like, not only is she not going to survive, but you're not even going to try. You're just They basically just told me, you're just going to have the baby. You're going to spend as much time as you can with her, and then that's it. But we can't offer you this machine because – at this point it would be detrimental to her because well also selfish, which I agree. They didn't say it was selfish, but I would think that it's selfish because I'm not gonna keep my daughter alive, breathing on a machine that she can't live without, you know? She can't leave the hospital. You can't take that machine home. So I'm like, I can't like, of course I'm not gonna do that to her, you know? So that was that. And we were crushed. Me and my husband were crushed. I was so angry. I was so angry. He was so angry. We were both so angry, and we're still, we're still very angry. My daughter passed on September 21st. and what's fucked up is, my birthday is September 12th. One, two. She passed on two, one. My birthday backwards. She was born at 6.40 p.m. She passed away at 7.41 p.m., an hour and one minute. They told me she would only survive 10 seconds. My baby girl survived one hour and one minute. And that's part of me that is like, don't listen to what the fuck these doctors have to say. They will tell you what they know, but that's all they know. And then there's God. You have science, you have humans, and then there's God. I believe she held on for us that hour and one minute because she loved us. I believe that she she held on and she hung on because of that. So fast forward to going to the hospital. Um, I was 39 weeks, 39 weeks. I had one more, I had, I believe, a couple more days to hit 40 weeks, but they wanted me to give birth to her at 39 weeks because of the chance that I might get preclampship. And that's dangerous to have when you're going to have a baby. So um, I went to the doctors and they dilated me at 39 weeks and it took about two days two two days. Um, I was in the hospital for two days. Um, and I just remember when my water broke, I was handling it. I didn't have the epidural yet. You know, I was like, I want to do this. No epidural, you know, and. I'm like, no, I don't need it, even though my mom and everybody was like, no, you're going to need it. And I'm just like, bro, why y'all praying on my downfall? Like I said, I'm not going to use no epidural, but that shit, when I got there, okay, so I was fine. I was just cramping a little, you know. I didn't feel any pressure yet. I was just cramping a little. I could still walk. But then the cramps started getting a little bad, and so I laid on my side. And my fucking water broke. And they do not lie when they say, when your water breaks, you know when your water breaks. Because, you know, before, it's your first baby. You don't really know what everything's supposed to feel like, you know? So, like, when you're like, well, what if I don't feel that my water broke? No. You will know when your water breaks. When my water broke, I felt my belly, like, release some some pressure and I was like and then I felt my bed get super wet like I felt like I peed on myself plus more and I was just like oh that's my water like I instantly I knew like my mother instincts kicked in I instantly knew and so I called and I told my I told my husband I was like my water just broke and he looked at me he was like are you serious. I was like, my water just broke. And so he kind of like stood up and was like, scratch. he was like scratching his head and he was all nervous and stuff. And I'm like, call the nurse. He was like, want me to call the nurse? I'm like, yes, call the nurse. So the nurse comes in and I'm just like, my water just broke. And then she was like, um, oh, maybe it, let's just double check. Maybe it could be something else. And in my head, I'm like, no, bitch. My water broke. I felt it. Like, it's nothing else besides my water. She was like, well, it could be this, it could be that. Bitch, I just told you, I felt that shit break. It broke. And so, she checked me. She, like, she checked me, and she was like, oh, yeah, your water broke. I'm like, I told you, like, I'm not tripping. But after my water broke, the the cramps got more (laughs) fucking intense. And... um, I just remember it literally, like, listen to me when I say this. It literally felt like my bones were separating. That's it. And it would only happen, so it'll happen for, like, eight seconds. And then it'll go away. And then it'll come back in, like, two minutes. But I was, even though I was two to three minutes apart in contractions, she was, She didn't drop all the way yet, so I couldn't start pushing. Um, so I was, like, I was like, oh God, I got to have the epidural because my bones are fucking breaking. And so they brought the the, the, the guy in and he told me, he was like, okay, tell me when your, your contraction is over and then I'll give you the shot. So I'm like, okay. And so he was about to go in. I'm like, wait, wait, another contraction is going. And then he was like, okay, I'm gonna do it now so you don't feel it as much. He fucking sticks that needle in my spine. In the middle of a contraction, but you know what? I am grateful for him because, so because I was going through a contraction, I I did not feel the needle whatsoever. Um, I just felt a little pressure, and that was it. Like that was literally it. And I was like, "That's it." And I remember him telling me like, "Lean into the needle so that you know." I forgot what he said, but he was just like, "Lean into the needle." So I like leaned into it, and it felt good. I don't know. Um, and then he was like, "Okay, we're all done." And so I'm like. I, in my head, I was like, I fucking hate you, but I fucking love you. And so I laid down on my back, and slowly but surely, my legs were completely numb. My legs were completely numb. And I felt no more contractions, and I was so grateful. I was like, oh, my God. Thank the Lord for the fucking epidural, because I could not do this, bro. Um, and then, so... I was laying there, and I just remember I was able to sleep. Um, I couldn't eat anything, though. After the epidural, I was just able to eat ice and, like, drink water and stuff. And they put a catheter inside so that I wouldn't, like, peel myself or anything. It was just collecting the pee as it developed, which was kind of crazy, but I was grateful for that as well. Um, And apparently, I had—well, this is going a little into detail, like, TMI, but my— Doctor was my ner- my nurse was telling me, like, oh, you know, you pee like a racehorse. And I was just like, oh, I guess, you know. Um, so so after that, I literally felt my daughter's head like coming out. And I just remember in my head, like, I have to keep her inside. I have to keep her inside. I can't let her be born yet because if she's born, she's not going to be able to breathe. I have to keep her inside as long as she's attached to the to the umbilical cord. She she can breathe. I have to keep her inside. And I just remember I was trying to close my legs. I was trying to cl- I was trying to cross my legs to and I was holding her in to the point where I was shaking all over. And um. So I turned to my husband and I was like, I think you need to call the nurse. And she he was like, Why? And I was like, Because she's coming. And so he went to he called the nurse and the nurse came in. She checked me. She was like, Yep, her head's right there. You wanna feel it? And I was just like, No, I don't want to feel it. And my husband felt it, but I didn't feel it. And she was like, Okay, you ready to push? And then so I was just like, I guess I was so sad. But once I committed to pushing I told myself, okay, I have to get her out as fast as possible. So I have, so I have as much time with her as possible. So I just remember pushing to the point where I didn't care if I breathed. I didn't care if I had enough breath. I was going to keep pushing until she was out. And she was, the the nurse was telling me like, you can breathe, 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 breathe. And I'm just like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm pushing and then I'm taking a breath in and I'm pushing again. Like, no, there's no breaks. And so I pushed. I pushed for about 10 minutes, 10 to 30 minutes. No, not even that. I didn't push a long time. And then she was here. And I just remember when she was here, everything became. It's kind of like I dissociated. Like, I knew what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember the, the umbilical cord was too short, so I couldn't turn her around to look at her face. Um, so they had to cut the umbilical cord earlier than they wanted to, than I wanted to. And my husband also did not cut the umbilical cord um, because he felt like he didn't want to cut her lifeline, which I understand that. Um, but once the umbilical cord was cut... Um, I was able to turn her towards me and look at her face and touch her. And she was so warm. She was so warm. And she was so beautiful. She had so much hair. And she looked just like me. Just like me. And I just remember telling myself, that's it. This is it. If I can't have my daughter, I give up on life. She was so warm. But she quickly got cold. About an hour, she got cold. She was cold. And I just remember the nurses kept bringing me hot blankets to keep her warm. But she just got cold from the inside out. And... We spent the night there. I spent the night holding her. She was gone, but I spent that night there in the hospital and I held her and it bothered me that she was cold. And I held her so close and I held her so tightly in hopes that she would get warm again, but she was just cold and I couldn't get her to get warm again. And I remember I put her down between my legs facing me. And I remember trying to get her body to move. Um, But I guess when the body dies, it does this thing where it stiffens. And so if, for example, if your arm is bent, you can't unbend that arm because it's stiffened. And so I tried to make my daughter's arms go straight and she was so stiff and it freaked me the fuck out. When my doctor walked in, when my doctor walked in, I was like, "Hey, is there a reason why she's stiff right now?" And she was like, that happens when the body passes. And I was just crushed. But luckily, she loosened up, so it was weird. So she would get really stiff and then she would loosen up and then she would get really stiff and then she would loosen up. And so that is something that fucked with my mind mentally. And that fucked me up. Um, Trying to get her, trying to move her a certain way. And she didn't move. It was completely stiff. I felt like if I moved anything, I would break her. Like she was like glass. And the next day, um, the mortuary people came and they brought a bag. They brought a body bag. And they had my husband uh, put my baby girl inside the body bag. And he walked away with her inside that body bag, which I felt like was disrespectful because no one wants to see their child going into a body bag. He could have taken her out of the room. And you know what's also emotional? Whenever a baby is born in a hospital, they play a song for that baby and the whole hospital could hear. And I remember them telling me, if you want us to play the song for your baby girl, we will still play that song. And so I remember being in the wheelchair and them dragging me to another room in the hospital. And while I was in, the, while I was in the, the wheelchair holding my baby girl, going through the hospital hall, they were playing that song for her. And the nurses were just looking at me and saying, I'm sorry. And, and I was just holding her and just listening to the song. And I thank them for still playing her for for still playing her that song because she was still here, she was still born, she was born alive. She wasn't still born; she was born alive. And so, after I got put into the new room, and the next day they took her away and everything, I went home, and. I went home without a baby. I went home with an empty stomach and no baby. And mind you, all of her stuff is still here. I got so much stuff from the baby shower. All of her stuff is still here in the closet and I'm not getting rid of it. I will never get rid of it because when I have another baby That baby will take on all the stuff that my daughter Nala was not able to wear. And I think that just ever since, ever since that, my daughter, I have never been the same. And I've still, to this day, today, I'm still in the process of giving myself another chance. Because for some reason, I feel like I deserve it. But I am in the process of giving myself another chance. I'm in the process of getting better. I am in the process of going up. I am in the process of loving myself again so that I can have more kids, so that I can love my kids the way they deserve to be loved. I will love them regardless whether I'm hurting or not. I will love my children regardless of anything in this world, especially since I've lost And, yeah, Um, I think that this will be a part two also. Um, And on my part two, I will go more into how I am feeling now. But I hope you guys got to understand more about my story and about my daughter, Nala. I love you guys so much for supporting me, and I appreciate you guys. And I will catch you in the next one.